Welcome to the Retro Word, where we talk about acting, filmmaking, photography, and life. I'm your host, Eric Lopez, and we shall be talking about acting today with a little mixture of filmmaking. Today's topic revolves around starting your own YouTube channel and also getting into the stand-up scene. I decided to bring a new YouTuber and stand-up comedian onto the show to give his wisdom on the craziness of online personas and stand-up as well, Mr. Matthew Jordan. Hey, what's going down? How's yeah. it going out there, baby? Now, Matthew has a new channel up called Matthew Jordan Presents. There's funny stuff on there. You know, he's pulling out videos every week, so you can catch him out at the comedy store as well, doing stand-up every so often. And I just want to say, dude, I came out back in 2009, and, and Matt's always been there, so I just want to say that... Uh, I'm proud to see the growth, you know, coming from there, man. No, I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm seeing all the great movies you're making as well, man. So it's just beautiful when we kind of start out together and you just see where each other's going and all the things we're booking and the great things that are happening. So, And a lot of it, man, it just comes from hustling, just sticking with it. Because a lot of people, I know when we first started out, we can recall and remember all the people who came through who don't act anymore. Oh, yeah. They already quit. They did it for maybe a couple of years, things like that. So honestly, just anyone who's looking to do it or anyone who really believes that that's your calling, that's your destiny, it's not always going to work out in two to three years. Um, and if this is really what you want to do, it shouldn't matter if it's going to take seven, eight, nine, ten years. Because a lot of times in the real world, those career paths, um, the, all those people you see out there in finance, being doctors, any of those type of things, they take time to manifest those careers. So honestly, I think it's just a blessing that we're here um, making moves, making progress. Yeah, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. I, absolutely. And I, I think even for me, when I was first starting now, I, I feel like I had this pressure like, oh, man, we got to book this. Oh, this is going to be like the last audition I ever have. I have to have this. I have to have this. But I think just now, I think I've just grown grown more at peace with, with what's going on. Um, and I remember one time I was at a commercial audition, and uh, this one girl, she was like, hey, man, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If, if this role is a fit for you, it is. And if it's not, then on to the next one. So I think now I'm just more at peace. Um, and I try to stay busy. I always try to make sure I'm working on something. But I think now I just know that it's just going to happen, and it's just going to happen at the right time. You don't have to worry and, and press or, or, or feel this pressure that you need a book. If this is really what you want to do and this is what makes you happy in life, then it really shouldn't matter. You went to USC. What made you get into stand-up and and acting and, and doing this whole show business stuff? So I, I did what most people do. Uh, they go to college, uh, had a regular job. Uh, I did internships over the summer. And when I finally graduated, I worked at BET in advertising sales. And when I worked there, it's just that the team that I worked, it, it was just a really difficult situation. A lot of the people didn't even know my job description. I answered the people out of the Chicago and New York offices. And it was just really stressful, really chaotic. Um, and at the same time, I began acting roughly around April, May of 2010. So that was when I had been at BET for probably six or seven months. And on the side, I was acting. So it got really chaotic because I would be going on auditions, stuffing my face with my lunch while I'm on the way to the audition and coming back to work like 20 minutes later than I probably should be, just, just doing all that type of stuff. And eventually it just got to the point where I was so stressed out. I was even talking to people to other networks and they were saying, Hey man, come to our team. But the thing was, I knew I wanted to act. So I just, for me, I was like, nah, I don't want to leave them on and make them think that I actually want a career in this. And originally my plan was I was going to graduate, work in advertising sales for like five years, establish myself. And then when I see kind of maybe that lucky break, then like really go after it and then try to transition to acting full time. Now it's obviously not what happened. And I just remember the day so vividly. I'm sitting there at my desk, and in my mind, I'm like, God, just please tell me what I'm supposed to do. I don't even know what's going on in my life. Just please just give me a sign. Just show me. I, I, I'm just, I don't even know what to do anymore. And literally, an hour later, <laughs> one of the supervisors on my team, uh, she says, Matthew, uh, I can't come speak with you. Uh, come follow me. So I follow her down the hallway into the HR office, and they literally opened up this booklet. It's like, yes, we're going to have to terminate you. <laughs> and I actually got fired, right? And um, but I literally was sitting at my desk. I was like, God, just please show me a sign. Literally an hour later, and there you, you go. Got fired, right? I don't know if anyone's been fired out there. If you haven't, I'll tell you how this goes down. Basically, they usually give you about twenty to thirty minutes to get off the premises, and they have kind of like a security guard or someone like escort you out. And um, I just remember everyone just kind of looking at me. Everyone was so surprised that I got fired. Like like people in my group, were like, oh my goodness, like how did this happen? And da da da. Like that's not right. They did you wrong. And da da. Because you know, because because they knew I was I was trying my best. It was just a really difficult um, team situation. And I remember as I was walking out, I was driving out the parking garage, um, the guy who was escorting me out, and I was really good friends with him, he was like, oh, uh, uh, like, so what are you going to do now? And I was like, oh, you know, I, I got some things in mind. I, I got some things. And I, just, I just remember that day just feeling, just feeling so liberated. I just remember that when I got home, I had my box full of my stuff, and my mom had to be home that day. 
And she saw and she knew exactly what was going on because she knew all the difficulties I was having at work. But I remember what I did that night. I remember vividly what I did that night. You know what I did that night? I shot a short film. Yeah. Okay, that's that's how you what do it. What did you shoot? What did you shoot? <laughs> it was, <laughs> well, I was already scheduled to shoot it, but now I knew I had even more time to shoot it. Uh, it was uh, the short film for NIFA, actually. NIFA? What's yeah, that? Yeah, New York Film Academy. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It was one of the, yeah, that's how I know you when you're first starting out. No, nothing wrong with New York Film Academy, but you know when you first start now, that's what that's the projects you're working on. Like AFI yeah. and USC yeah. and all those stuff. Yeah. So uh, but no, but that, that's exactly what I did. Like, it's not like I had this emotional breakdown. It's not like I said, Oh my God, what am I gonna do? It was kind of more like, Okay, now this dream is real. Like we're about to put this dream to the test. Now and now we're really gonna see do I have what it takes in terms of the passion, the perseverance, like how quickly is is one thing going to happen? How quickly am I getting an agent? How how quickly am I going to book anything? How quickly am I going auditions? And you talk about managers and agents. So so whenever you first started out, how did you how did you get your first manager? What was your first step? Where you're like, all right, now I'm out here. Did you go online? What websites did you go to? Or or what was the process to get to where you are now? Well, for me, when I was at BET, I got a few headshots done, and the photographer recommended this acting class. And I remember when I got there, um, the acting coach, he was just kind of giving me his spiel. Was that Gray Studios? No, oh, this was Gray Studios. I was, oh, I was, I don't we know, know each other from Gray Studios. And, well, and the funny thing was, I just remember the first time I went to audit an acting class, and they were just kind of playing a lot of acting games and things like that. And to me, it just wasn't really resonating. I was, I was just kind of confused. I, I just didn't really feel like I was getting anything, anything out of it. And I remember when I went to Gray Studios, I showed up to the class, and they were actually in preparation for Showcase. And I remember I was sitting there, and just the style of the class, just the way it seemed... And um, David Gray talking about how they basically, they use actual scenes from TV shows or films. And that's what they use to prepare in terms of class. And you get two the night before, two nights before, you prepare it, and then you treat it like a real audition. Yeah, audition technique. Yeah. yeah and that that resonated with me. That, I was like, that's exactly what I need. So you did the showcase, and that's what ended up getting you the, the manager. Yes, or... yes. Uh, yeah, I got an agent through the showcase. I remember being with that agent for probably two weeks. And then I got out on this one feature film audition. And then I remember two weeks after that, I got out on my first pilot. And it was... Uh, <laughs> it happens yeah, that quick. It really... It, really, it was uh, It was called Hail Mary with Mini Driver. <laughs> and I remember... I think it was... I think they had us prepare three or four scenes. And this, this is my first ever like big pilot audition. It's on the Warner Brothers lot and everything. And I'm just trying to take it in. And I'm thinking like, oh, it's about to go down already. Watch this. I'm about to book this. It's about to go down, right? So then I remember, then remember keep in mind, they had us prepare three or four scenes. I remember I do the first scene. And then I'm about to go into the second. And the caster is like, thank you. And I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, oh but I still. And, and I was like, wow. And, and I remember just leaving. I'm like, wow. Okay. Like that, like that was that first. It's that cut through. Right, right. And I was like, oh, okay, never mind. Okay, it's not going to happen that fast. How did you get started in stand-up? Because I remember you told me before that you were looking online and you saw on Actors Access that some people were posting like, hey, we need some performers and stuff right. for this weekend. Uh, well, so with stand-up, I would say some of it started two years ago where I saw random posts on LA Casting. Maybe it was like a year and a half. A random post on LA Casting and they were actually looking for people who were new to stand-up. And they actually wanted a show, I guess, with people who weren't as experienced. And I remember I reached out to them. Uh, we, we went back and forth a little bit. I even checked out a show. But I just didn't really feel comfortable enough. I just, I just didn't really feel like I was ready. I was just kind of feeling it out a little bit. But I, I never even performed, didn't even try it. Then at that same time, I think on Actors Access, someone else was looking for kind of the same thing. Uh, and then I never really followed up on that. And then I think he did a workshop. Um, and I remember it was like a random workshop at this bar in Hollywood, which was actually really informative. I took notes on it. He was just saying like the basics and fundamentals of standup. So then from there, I still, to me, I still wasn't ready. And I was still writing on the side. I just, I always kept any ideas I had, I would just always write it down. Like we're to the point now where I have about like 40 pages of just kind of ideas and concepts, but I still wasn't ready yet. And then this past April, I saw another breakdown on Actors Access where they were looking for standup comics. And I remember I told myself, I said, okay. If this person reaches out to me, then I will finally take the plunge and actually do it. So then, uh, I, I think it was three days later, this guy contacts me. He says, hey, uh, and, and he asked me kind of my experience. And I told him I wasn't really that experienced, but he told me. He was like, hey, you know what? Sometimes you just got to go do it. I mean, the best, the only way you can find out is if you just do it. And that's some of the best way to learn. Like some people do open mics, some people do this. But sometimes just going up there is some of the best ways um, to learn about, about your ability. So I did it. My first show was the Ha Comedy Club. And it went okay. Like you were there. It was, I mean, I got laughs. But I think my goal going there was to first of all, just do it. And second, I just wanted to make sure I worked the room, control the environment. I didn't want anyone to think that was my first time. 
And I know from people's reactions that they did not think that. Like, I, I had this one girl come to me and say, oh, you did a great job. And, and if she would have known that that was my first time, she would have been shocked. I'm sure. Because I, cause, but the thing about stand-up is that in some ways I've been working toward this all my life. And I've, and I've seen some documentaries where some stand-ups say all your material gets kind of manifested for the first like 18, 25 years of your life and you kind of cook it in this stew and finally at age whatever, that's when you release it and then you just pull from all your experiences in life. And also at that time, by that time I'd been acting for about five years. So all those lessons like- um, So you feel comfortable on stage. You know, yeah, so so one, you feel comfortable, I felt comfortable on stage. Two, there are just certain rules and guidelines that transfer over to stand-up as well. Like, like the rules of three when it comes to comedy and, and always building up and having- the funniest part of your set, the ending part. So, so it's constantly building up. But like you don't want to have you don't have the funniest stuff in the beginning. You want to have, but but those are things I kind of already knew going into it. So so that 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 show went okay. Like it was pretty good for the first time. It went great. I mean, as far as first times go. But I didn't really fall in love with it. I was just kind of oh, okay, whatever. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. So after that first time, what made you do it again? Uh, I think it was a month later. That same guy contacted me about another show, but I was out of town. Then I think um, another two weeks later, he contacted uh, me about a show at the Comedy Store. This was my thinking. I said, and, and the thing about when I did Aha, the crowd wasn't that big. There were maybe like 30 people at most. And I just felt like I really needed to be in front of a real crowd. That, that's just how I felt. I was like, I, was like I, I really need to test out some material in front of a real crowd. And I remember my dad saying, hey, now, Matthew, you, uh, you might want to you know, work on your stuff before you start going to places like the Comedy Store. Yeah, because the Comedy Store is big, dude. You know, a lot of people go there. It, it is. It is. And, but, but, like, I just, it was just one of those times in life when I've been doing this for five years. Not stand-up, obviously, but acting for five And I just told myself, you know, I believe in myself. And I, I, I knew I could do it. I, I just had that belief in myself. I was like, I'm just going to do it. I, I think I can pull this off. Uh, and I just remember, <laughs> I remember, and I did that show, and it that, and you were there. That show was live, like that crowd. Like to this day, I think that's one of the best crowds I've ever had. Yeah, you came out with a lot of energy. Yeah. I just remember being like, "Damn, Matt, you coming was not out with all this energy." And I, and I remember, I probably, I probably had, I think I had seventeen people at that show. I think a wedding was in town, so all my buddies were in town. Had all of them come through. My dad was there. I remember meeting the comics before I went up, and they're like, "Oh, okay, you know, no one's really trying to say hello." After I finished that set, I walked down. And then Cass was just kind of like giving me that love. People were dapping me up. And I remember getting to the green room. And uh, there were some comics huddled around. And one of them was like, yo, dog, that was a good set. I see you, dog. Okay. He said, how long have you been doing this? And I was like, I was like, I don't think you really want to know that. He's like, no, 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 no. How long have you been doing this? I was like, that was my second time ever. He's like, word? He's like, yo, you're going to be okay, dog. You good. <laughs> and, then I remember this, and I remember this other girl was like, was like that was your second time? Like, oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I feel like, like that was the turning point. But that night, like, I literally could not go to sleep. And like, plus all the positive reinforcement, too, probably yeah, helped just, out. It was just, that that's when I felt. Because the first time I did it, it was just kind of, eh. But it was that second time when I was like, wow, that was something. And some of the stuff that I didn't even rehearse, just like kind of improv and just being myself. Just I, I remember a girl in the front row was, was talking to her girlfriend eating a chocolate chip cookie. And I just literally in the middle of my set just like took a piece of it, started chewing it, and made a joke about it. And, and the crowd was laughing. So things like that. So so from there, uh, basically, uh, I just kind of have this guy who reaches out to me um, through the comedy store. And he hits me up every every so often maybe every couple of weeks every month and telling us about shows that are available so now that you're in the whole mix of the comedy store where do you see yourself going here in the next few months or even year well a lot of times with the comedy store and obviously like i'm still a novice there are people who know how it works a lot better than me but usually in the main room the original room, they kind of have established people like joe rogan crystal lee they kind of have like the big name people now occasionally i will see people who aren't as big there but usually they like to kind of reserve that for the bigger people and have the 15 minute sets things like that and then even i know at the laugh factory they have kind of an open mic thing that you can do i believe they have signups every tuesday starting at 5 p.m and i think you have to actually get there i actually did it once uh you have to get there like three hours beforehand because they only take the first 15 people but a lot of times with laugh factory i've noticed it's people who have credits and this is my theory when it comes to stand-up youtube and acting to me, right now at this point, I would say auditions are most important to me. When it comes to the TV auditions, the film auditions, that's the most important. Because if I book something like that, it helps out everything else. If, 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 let's just say I was a series regular on a show. I could probably like be a headliner at, at a show at one of the major comedy clubs just because I have a name. It, just because they know they can market that better, promote that better, sell it better. Um, so to me, I know there are some people out there who put all their eggs in one basket when it comes to stand-up. But to me, I just feel like times have changed. Like maybe in the, I think the 80s and 90s, those those were the golden ages of stand-up comedy. 
Whereas now people have so many options like YouTube and so many more effective ways of building their brand and getting out there that I don't know that standup is quite as effective as it used to be. And that's why for me personally, I, I love it and I enjoy it. But to me, it's not as important as my YouTube channel and my auditions for like network pilots or TV or big films or anything like that. And people still go to the shows. I know I was talking to an exec, you know, for one of the studios and I asked him, I'm like, where do you find talent nowadays because of social media and all that stuff? And he said, yeah, we, we go online. Sometimes I'll look at Vine or, or Instagram, see who has a bunch of followers and, and see who's putting out entertaining content. And he says, I'll occasionally go to a standup show and, and see if there's any new people that I should probably know or just have, you know, in my back pocket in case something ever comes across my desk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's honestly why I still continue to do it because I know those opportunities do exist. And, and also it's just fun. And honestly, it's so funny. I'll tell people I do this, or I, I've been on this show or that show. But the one that really gets them is when I say I do stand-up. That, that is the ultimate conversation starter. The looks in people are just like, you do stand-up? You have to be really like right? courageous. Right, because because so many people just would never think to do it. And, and the funny thing with me in stand-up, I've never been a necessarily afraid of going up there i just wanted to make sure that when i did go up there that i had a solid set i just wanted to make sure i performed at my best that that was that was always my goal was to and and even now like i'm never if i'm ever if i ever have nerves or anxiety it has nothing to do with whether i think the audience is funny because one thing that i've always carried with me and that other comics have said is that you can't go up there trying to make the audience laugh like it's, it's almost like you have to do it for you and for me, the, the my style is, hey, I like my I like my material. I think my material is funny. Other people think it's funny. If you don't think that's funny, then that's fine. But but you just gotta go up there for yourself. Like that's so because some people go up there trying to make audience members laugh, and that's kind of where you fall flat because you're kind of trying too hard and not just being true to yourself on stage. How many times have you been on stage? Do you know? I think I've been. I believe I believe it's six now. And have you had any like bad reactions, booed off stage or something? I haven't. I haven't. But I think there's a reason why. Because see, th- my strategy with stand-up is very different from a lot of other comics. A lot of comics out there, all the working ones, all the major ones, every big comic you ever hear, this is what they always say. This is what they say. They always say, "Hey, man, you just got to keep doing it over and over again. The more you do it, the better you're gonna get. Right? Just keep doing it over and over and over again." And me, I'm like, "Yes." And no. And I know someone's probably listening right now like, dude, he's only done it seven times. Who is he to like say anything? But honestly, I've already had conversations with certain comics and they're like, dude, I get it. Like, like you get it. Like, you know what's going on. Like, and, and honestly, I feel like I do have a pretty good grasp. But for me personally, if you go up that many times, usually you're not going to have new material. You're just kind of going to be doing the same material over and over again. And I've talked to some people who, who know about the stand-up scene in New York. And he's noticed that in New York, people go up a lot more. They perform a lot more. But he's also noticed they get burned out more as well so to me i just always want to be fresh i always want i always want to enjoy looking forward to it so me my my theory with stand-up and obviously it's different from other people but my theory is quality over quantity like you have a lot of people out there just going out there just like like three or four times a week and me i'm like i, I don't want to do that because i because i want to focus on my youtube channel i want to focus on my auditions like i have a lot of other things going on that i don't want to be doing that that many times so in a lot of ways i've kind of protected myself because all my shows well, all my shows except for two have been at the comedy store so like five out of seven at the comedy store, um, I usually always am, a- am able to deliver. I always have a lot of people come because I'm from L.A. So I have a lot. I can draw from my high school friends. I can draw from college. I can draw from people who've known me since I was three years old from church. So so I'm able to draw from all those people. And so it, it's it's kind of like it, it's kind of challenging for me to get booed off because I have an, enough people who are just going to like even if I'm not funny, they're like, hey, he was awesome, even if I'm not. And that's interesting advice, too, because I've actually seen a couple of stand-up comics who are big-name comics, and they do look burnt out. Like, they, they go on stage, and they look like they're just standing up there, and they just kind of, like, throw out a couple quote-unquote jokes and see where it lands. It looks like they're kind of, like, looking to see if anything lands. Because I know a, a couple of comics, they work towards a, a bigger show. So if they have, like, an HBO special, you know, or a Showtime special or, or something like that, They'll they'll work the a bunch of rooms. It's almost like practice until they can get all the the, the best jokes for their hour long HBO special or whatever. Right, right, and even a lot of the big comics, a lot of times they're just freestyling up there too, just because they're tired of saying the same jokes. And honestly, if you're performing that much, a lot of times it's challenging to write that much new material that fast. It's that good, to be honest, because because I because I've seen it even at my shows, a lot of the comedy store shows, a lot of people are telling the same jokes that they've told for the last two years. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
But I think it shows you that it's not that easy to always come up with amazing material. Like sometimes you don't, some, like, like if you were performing twice a week, you're not always going to come up with a new amazing material. It might be old material that's like your, your old, old bread and butter, but it is kind of challenging. And that's why for me, I don't ever want to get burned out doing this because to me it's fun and I just wanted to always continue to be fun. But also I think for me, some people only do stand-up. Like that's all they do. So for them, that's the choice that they've made. That They're just going to go all out on this. Whereas me, I kind of have other things that I can draw on, like the YouTube channel and, and, and auditioning and things like that. Well, even Chris Rock said that whenever he's doing stand-up and, and acting, he focuses just one year on each thing. He doesn't try to mix and match because he says that something suffers. So he'll do, okay, this year I'm going to focus on stand-up. So then he's going to work a bunch of rooms and work on his material for a whole year. And then, okay, this year I'm going to do acting. So then he's trying to do as many projects as he can. I, no, absolutely. Uh, again, because I'm sure some stand-up comics would probably look at me like, oh, man, but that means your stand-up is not going to like take you as far. But, but to me, I'm okay with that just because I have other things that I think can take my career farther than, than, than what can stand-up. Because I've known, I know some people right now, for example, who do stand-up. Um, they, they headlined at a few of the major spots in LA, like at all the major spots, improv, laugh factory, um, and, and the comedy store. And they're still struggling and they've been at it for five and they're headlining. And, and that's, that's one thing that people don't quite know about standup is standup does not pay that well. Really? Like, honestly, so do you get paid whenever you go up there? Yeah. Well, see, I do now. Now everyone, now everyone does things differently. Okay. Some, 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 you don't get paid at all. Some, some like you get X amount of dollars based on how many people you bring and things like that. But honestly, stand up, especially now, if you're a big name, that's a whole nother story. If you're a big name or you have an agent who gets you out, because some people have, because that's really the next level, really. People who have agents who just book them for stand up. That's all just their, their, their stand up appearances only. So now that's interesting because I wonder if some of the big name comics, they just go up on stage and do whatever because that's like another paycheck for them. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. So no, the big names for sure, they obviously get paid. But usually the people who just starting out, if you don't really have a name, you don't have an agent booking you on set gigs, they're not getting paid a lot. But the thing about stand up, it, it's always going to have that prestige because there are so many people out there who are afraid to do it. And because they have that fear, they respect it so much more, and it is that much more exciting. So it, it will always have that prestige, but I just think in this day and age with the digital and just the, every, the way everything is going, I to me personally, I just don't think stand-up is always the best way to go. Because like, I don't believe in putting all your eggs in that basket, is, is I guess what is my belief. So moving on to your YouTube channel, how did that kind of come about? How long ago did you start it? You know, how many people are in your squad or your team that, you know, you do videos with? Oh, yeah. So YouTube. Basically, I remember uh, you were there actually a couple summers back when a few of us in our acting class tried to get a YouTube channel going. I think we had about eight or ten people involved. And I, th I think they did they did produce a few sketches, but I think it kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. So there, there were definitely a few attempts before I latched onto this group. And basically last year when I was shooting uh, a submission for Project Greenlight, uh, I worked with a certain uh, cinematographer. And I remember it was probably about, I want to say two and a half, three months ago, I just happened to start talking to him. And I was, hey, I, I was kind of thinking about starting a YouTube channel. And he was like, oh, really? Like, I'd be, and, and he said he was, he'd be down to help out. And obviously, you know, talk is cheap because there's so many people who talk about doing a YouTube oh, yeah, channel all the time. because it's so easy to just talk about it and not actually do it. It is so easy because I feel like a lot of us are doing that for such a long time. But he actually delivered. He showed up. He brought and he had all the equipment, he had all the lighting, all that type of stuff. And even from there, he is he's even bought more equipment just just for some things that we shoot. Like he bought a green screen just so we could shoot some of our vlogs. So that's really how it started. And then on top of that, he has a buddy um, who also kind of helps us out on social media, kind of tells us what we should be posting, when we should be posting, the best times to post. And then on top of that, one of my friends who's really responsible for me getting into stand-up and YouTube, he's been pushing me ever since, uh, is my friend Brian Anderson. And he actually has just founded uh, a basically a film financing company for the digital space, focusing on YouTubers and things like that. And Because and, right now it's a really young market. Like You don't really have anything, anything like that. You don't have anyone lending money to YouTubers to kind of expand their brand and expand their project, things like that. So he really helps on the analytics. He, he tells me, Hey man, like you, like you need to improve this or you need to get that up or, or the reason this isn't playing well is because you released it at this time. Or so, so I really have a really, and it's funny how it all just kind of came together. 
Like, I didn't plan it, so I didn't know it was going to be like this. I remember I was telling you a couple months ago, I was like, hey, Eric, I want to start a YouTube channel. Yeah, I remember you told me that. And I remember thinking, yeah, you're, I knew you were serious about it because usually whenever you're like, I'm going to do something, you know, you usually do it. Yeah. But I just remember you were talking about like these different ideas yeah, you had. Yeah. And I was all like, oh, man, these are these are cool yeah, ideas. Because yeah. I mean, some of those ideas, we still haven't gotten to them yet because they are pretty big scale ideas. Um, and then that's the thing that's been interesting about the YouTube, just kind of finding our voice. We've been trying a bunch of different things. On our channel, we have commercial parodies. Um, we have comedic sketches like Netflix and Chill. We also have blogs. So right now we're just kind of filling ourselves out, just trying different things. Um, we, we're actually going to have uh, a couple of videos come out in the near future that have special effects in them. So you guys can look forward to that. That'll be pretty awesome. I saw the 99 cent store one. I thought that was pretty fun. I, honestly, like, and I told my sister this, um, the 99 cent store one, that's one of my personal favorites. Just because that is my brand of comedy. Just going up to random people who you know are out there, a little strange, and just, the funny thing about that one, I did not coach them up at all. Those are just genuine responses from, like there was this one random white dude in the store, and I, I'm pretty sure he's an actor, and, and if he's listening to this right now, yo, contact us, we would love to put you in some more sketches, because we don't even know his name. But uh, he just started just cussing and just doing random stuff with, with the skulls and all the decorations. And it was just amazing how it all just really came together. Because that 99 cents, I chose that one for a reason. That's the one right there off of La Brea and I think Willoughby. And they have the craziest characters. I remember on our way there, when, when I was parking the car, this person just, just drove up right next to us because I was getting mic'd up. And he's like, hey, man, you got some stuff? And I was like, Whoa, and it was just like this transgender person trying to score drugs off. And then, and then as we were walking up, this black dude, like who was like a transient or homeless person, had a palm tree branch in his hand and was slamming it against the wall of the 99 cent. Like it was just, it's, it's like you guys, if, if you haven't been, please go to that 99 cent store. Things go down. Or check out the video. Or yeah, yeah. Or, you know what? Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, check out the 99 cent store adventures video on my channel, Matthew Jordan Presents, because it gets crazy. So you have. A little over 500 subscribers, and you've been online for about what is it, two I, months? So, yeah, yes, yeah, so, yeah, something like that. I think, I think we're on eight videos now, I believe. And you're doing it every week, every what yes, is it, we, Monday? We drop every Tuesday, every Tuesday. Now, there was one time, now there was one time we had a malfunction. Uh, basically, we shot something, we didn't like it, we didn't really think it was that funny. We thought it would be funny. This is another dangerous thing about YouTube, especially when you release once a week, is sometimes, especially with, with uh, scripted content, like if, if you notice, there are a lot of people on YouTube who don't do scripted content. Because sometimes it's challenging to just keep that pace of oh, yeah. always having funny stuff every single week. Like, not even network TV does that. So we shot it. And we're like, you know what? It's not that funny. And we didn't realize it wasn't that funny until about Tuesday night when we were set to release. Because we, we, were, we were kind of behind. So basically, I just threw my comedy set at the comedy store and just threw that up the next day. So, But usually, we do release every Tuesday. That was the one time we did not. And I remember I had people actually come up to me and say, Man, dude, I was really looking for the video, man. I was like, I was, it was Tuesday. It wasn't released, man. What happened? Man? So I actually had people like, so it's kind of cool that we're actually starting to build somewhat of a fan base, as small as it may be right now, but we're, we're kind of starting to build it up right now. So you talk about fans. What kind of fans or what kind of comments do you get on your on your website? Because I know YouTube can be a crazy space where you get some like crazy comments. Have you had any weird comments pop up or any like fans reach out to you on, on your social media? Um, I feel like so far it's been fairly mild. It's been pretty pretty uh it's, it's been pretty supportive right it's like lol great job um i think one of them for the netflix and chill video um i fart in that video or i'm or i'm perceived to be farting and i remember someone was like whoa bro did you check your shorts after that man it must have been like stretch mark or like must be like streaks all over the place man or like like so so that, i mean there are some interesting people out there and I, I think even when i did my stand-up set I was talking about Jared Fogle. One person was like, man, that was messed up what you said about Jared Fogle, man. But it was awesome, dude. It was funny. So, I mean, so most people have been so, and that's been the amazing thing about this. It's almost like I feel like I should have been doing this all along. Like, I've had people come up to me who said, man, you know, you know, even as early as a year ago, they were saying, man, you used to be so shy about the acting and not really promoting yourself as much or enough. And But now you're just putting yourself all out there. You're really going for it. I'm just so proud that you're finally doing it with the stand-up. And with the YouTube channel, and, and honestly, everyone everyone who really knows me knows I'm not a big social media person. But just in the last six months, like now, I'm just on there all the time, just consistently trying to post all the time about our channel, uh, the different stand up things I have going on, just really trying to do my best to stay active. Because because honestly, that's really the future. Uh, I, like it's it's almost it almost got to the point where I just couldn't deny it anymore. And really, the reason I'm doing stand up and the reason I'm doing the YouTube channel is because I haven't made it yet. So in some ways, 
it's kind of a blessing that I haven't made it yet because then I probably would never be doing any of this stuff right now. And I know with the social media stuff, you've been posting a lot, but very consistent. And I know with YouTube, people want consistent content. A lot of times you'll post like one funny video or two funny videos, and then you are expecting like a lot of views or something. I was talking to another friend, Nathan Barnett, who, you know, does a bunch of different. Is that that the karate one, right? That's the karate guy. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He does Keith Apicary and all that stuff. And, and it's so funny because he told me that he started off doing YouTube and it wasn't until he did the like dancing videos that that one really took off. And then because that one took off, all his other videos, the views well, just exactly. shot up. Yeah. See, so that's why to me, I just feel like we just have to keep staying consistent, keep putting out videos every week and something will occur. And, and, even, and even if it's not, honestly, I, I'm just truly enjoying the experience. And I'm enjoying how we're like, we're really building. I remember we were at a... I think I think it was Thursday morning. We we're at about four ninety nine, and I checked it on the way here tonight, and we're already at like five eighty seven. So like like in like four or five days, it already moved to eighty seven. And, and like we're just getting started. We haven't even like there are some people I know that we're trying to reach out to who have a much bigger following than me, and we're we're trying to do collab. Because that's another thing about YouTube. If you ever start your YouTube channel, collabs are really important because you can get the fan base with other people and vice versa. And it's really a beneficial symbiotic relationship and experience. And also another thing too, I know you're probably going to mention this before, um, how to get into YouTube. And I know a lot of people, you're going to make excuses and say, oh, I don't even know what I would talk about. But even if you do something just like a vlog, where you literally just sit there and just talk and, and just find your own style. Some people want to do comedic stuff. Some people do like self-help, beauty tips, makeup tips. But you should just get in the habit of doing it every week because because that, that's all the big players they do it at least every week like you have like if you're if you're taking this seriously and you're trying to build a following and, and make a career out of being a youtuber you have to release every week and, that, and that's one thing because because originally our plan we were i was like oh yeah you know we'll probably just kind of release like twice a month because i didn't want to put a whole lot of pressure on ourselves right because right. i didn't know what we were capable of but then i remember we did one and then we kind of gave ourselves a three-week head start and then my, my the co-founder producing partner albert jasso get him at, at at red one rabbit on twitter uh he was he was just like no nah, man let's just do this and i was like all right let's go let's just do it so we just and, and then we just kind of ever since then we just kind of kept pushing ourselves to just keep doing it do you have any plans to attend any of the web festivals or anything like that because there's some places that you can go and you connect with other people you're talking about collaborating yes yes no that is true um i don't know the specific names right now but that's why also brian anderson the guy who's just he like this guy is an encyclopedia when it comes to youtube so he is kind of the one who kind of directs us, like, hey, man, like, MJ, you really need to approach this. Or or I think, and, the, and honestly, YouTube does a great job of fostering um, some of the talent because uh, apparently when you reach 500 subscribers, they, they have um, a, a, like a YouTube 101, like things you should do as a, as a new channel and things like that. And I think when you reach 10,000 subscribers, you're allowed to use a YouTube space, uh, which is in Marina del Rey. And usually I believe you get one full day out of the month where you can do all your shooting and then you have access to all the editing and all their equipment. So YouTube really does a great job in trying to make sure that their YouTubers succeed. And YouTube also has a new kind of thing called YouTube Red where yeah. they're doing that. Yeah. Now, I don't know. I'm not familiar with it as much as Brian does, but basically I believe if you pay a certain amount a month, you don't have to see any ads. So I think YouTube is hoping that that money trickles down to all the other YouTubers. So hopefully... There's an influx of money coming in just based on people who don't want to see ads. Do you get paid anything right now or no? Uh, right now. <laughs> That's a no. Well, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, there is some money in the account, but it's nothing to speak of. It's, it's very minuscule. And, and that's another thing about getting paid. I know a lot of people say, how do you make money on YouTube? And basically, subscribers are awesome, but a lot of it has to do with how many views you're getting. And also, the number one thing usually is watch time. So let's just say you have a four-minute video. If let's just say you're averaging three minutes and 30 seconds, which is a pretty good view time considering it's four minutes, Google or Google, YouTube, whatever, YouTube looks at that and then you get all the preferred advertising, like like Google preferred. And that's the advertising where as a consumer, as an audience member, when you watch a video, you have to watch the whole commercial and you're not allowed to skip through. And those are the ones that pay the most money. So basically... It really is about, and also, and along with the views, it, they look at they look at how many likes you get and how many time it gets shared. So they really have a, a more detailed algorithm of how you make more money and, and how you have advertising campaigns and things like that. Now, also, I've also heard from other more experienced YouTubers that they get more money from other sponsorship opportunities than they actually get from YouTube. Like what? Like for example, someone who does makeup tutorials. 
they'll have maybe like Mac, like Mac makeup will come to them. Let's just say they have 7 million subscribers and Mac will say, Hey, if you talk about our product and all its features, we'll pay you X amount of dollars. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like, like I know a friend who has, I think over, I don't know, I think maybe over 500 subscribe, 500,000 subscribers. And I think uh, the New York Times paid them like X amount of dollars to review their phone. So that's why there are a lot more, I would say, sponsorship opportunities and more lucrative opportunities that way than with what YouTube actually pays you. So as far as writing and everything, do you write your own material or, you know, where do the ideas come from? Honestly, it, it's totally an open process. Honestly, if someone comes up with a funny idea, that's the funny thing about the YouTube thing. As soon as I got started, all of a sudden, all my friends started hitting me up like, hey, man, uh, you know, it'd be funny if you did that. And, and honestly, I don't mind. I'm, I'm, I am totally down for that because if it's funny, I'll do it. I really don't mind at this point. It's almost like stand-up comedy where they're like, oh, dude, you should do a joke like this. Yeah, no, and I'll be you know what? I should do a joke. And, and I totally, so so really there, there are no boundaries. I, I mean, I would probably say most of the stuff in the beginning, like like the, the Lazy Eye, we had a, a par Lazy Eye parody that I was just sitting at home watching this commercial, and I know it's not funny, but basically it was this blind woman, this medication, and I and, and I know my sick twisted mind, I was like, oh, what if she was doing everything wrong and she fell and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that's kind of how we switched around. And the Gillette one, I was watching that one, like Gillette commercial where they're shaving and then a guy pops up out of nowhere, and in my head, I was like, that's not very smart. Like, you shouldn't be trying to stink about someone's trying to shave. Like, they could cut themselves. So we kind of put a spin on it, and you guys can check out the video if you want to see how it ends. But, uh, but yeah, so a lot of it was just kind of me just living life and be like, oh, it'd be funny to do that. And honestly, that's kind of our process. Like, anyone in the group, if they, if they have an idea, and, and if everyone kind of thinks it's funny, then we just do it. So what does your representation think of all this YouTube and stand-up stuff? They think it's great, because I remember I had a conversation with my manager probably, I want to say, like a year and a half ago. And I remember she just had this like real serious conversation with me. She was all like, you know, like I, I need more for you. you. Need to be like going out there doing more things. Like, 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 are you are you at UCB? Are you here? Are you there? And just just wanted me just get out there more and just kind of do more for myself and just be more proactive. So I think now they're happy to see that. They're happy to know that I'm doing the stand. I'm doing the YouTube. And the, the, and even I was I actually had a show at UCB for a little bit of time. Um, like our, our run ended there, but even doing that as well. So that's why I say, not everyone is meant to do stand up. Not everyone's meant to do um, improv. And even with the improv, not everyone is meant to do groundlings. And, like, some people are better at Second City or some people are better at UCB or iOS. So, honestly, to me, like, you just have to find your own niche. And, and also with the YouTube stuff, that's what I'm so thankful for in the year 2015. Because back in the 80s and 90s, I think all you had was an agent and a manager. And, and, and like, the, the breakdowns were, like, printed out, like, not even online because they didn't even have internet. Whereas now there's so many ways to make it. There's so many more opportunities. Now, along with that, you'll see fewer stars. You'll, you'll see fewer big-time stars, but I think there are way more people in the middle now. There are way more people making a decent living acting that wasn't there before. And now I feel like more than ever, acting isn't as risky as it used to be. Oh, really? You think that? Now the actor has so much more control and power. Now you don't have to you don't have to rely on as many people because make your own YouTube channel. Shoot your own stuff. Now, now the iPhone has 4K. It has 4K now. How ridiculous. Like, like, well, no excuses. Like, no. Th like there are no excuses. So now I think it's even less risky, especially all these kids growing up who are in truly invested in social media. Because I know, I feel like our generation, we were the first ones to kind of get exposed to Facebook. Right. But yeah. the generation after us, they are the ones who are truly in it. So to them, it's not even work. Well, there's like, Vine, there's like Vine, there's like Snapchat, there's all these different like little mini video clips. And I think it's tough because you see a lot of these like smaller duration times on, on these videos. So people have less of an attention span. And to do something like a web series or something is a little bit tough because you're like, ah, I ain't got time to watch a 10-minute right, right. you know, episode. Absolutely. If they watch watch an episode they're gonna binge watch and it's gonna be on netflix or it's gonna be on hulu it's really an art to get someone to watch something for 10 15 seconds like what's gonna draw someone's attention i mean I, I i guess i agree with that but i mean you would be amazed what people watch uh there was a story that just came out i forget what publication but basically there was this kid and i think all he does on youtube is play with dinosaurs and somebody who had a really big following on reddit posted about it and literally within a span of like seven days, I think he had like 880,000 followers. So that's why I just feel like you just have to keep doing it. Have you used Reddit? I've, I've dabbled a little bit. We're still like my team is still kind of discussing that a little bit. Oh, your uh, team. Your squad. Like, no, 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 <laughs> you got no, no, it. No, no, because no, no, because because they they know that I'm probably the last person you would ask. Like, oh, like because I don't really handle the technical stuff quite as much because there are people who right. know, who know way more about it than I do. Like, I know my role and I, and I know I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. So that's why I kind of like I think one of you kind of posted it in Reddit 
Because I think what he was saying, one of his concerns about Reddit was there are a lot of trolls there. Yeah. There's kind of like a lot of weird things going on in Reddit. So he was a little cautious about it when I first brought it up and I, when I brought up that story. Because it could be positive, but it could also come back and bite you. We've also tried to just get more diverse in terms of where we're featuring our videos. Um, we Now we have videos on Funny or Die. In terms of getting a video on Funny or Die, I believe all it takes is for you to create an account and upload the video. Now, if, it used to be different, right? Right. But I think I think what's happening is like sites like Funny or Die are realizing, oh, my goodness, we need more content to compete with people like YouTube because YouTube is just like freelancing. Anyone can do anything anytime. But with Funny or Die, I think they're just like, hey, man, we need more content. And I think the only way it's going to get pulled off is if you get a bunch of dies. Like if, if a lot of people hate the video, then I think it would get taken off. But if you just get all your buddies to just like click the funny button, it'll stay on there. So so now even Funny or Die has gotten to the point where. I believe all you have to do is create your account and you're good to go. And and honestly, that helps with SEO, you know, that search engine optimization. And even I'm learning these terms as well. So I, SEO. I'm not an expert on this, but basically what I've gathered is that you just want to be as diverse in your attack online as you can. Like you want to be on all these different um, websites and platforms. And, and that way you will get a higher ranking on the Google search results and things like that. And also for me, we've also developed a few challenges just because let's be real. My name is pretty generic. My name is Matthew Jordan. Yeah, I see you got a business card right here with your YouTube. You say, what is this? Matthew Jordan Presents. And it has your your channel picture. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Do you hand these out? Yeah, let me tell you something about that. So I wanted to get them before Halloween because um, I help my mom trick-or-treating. And we always have hundreds of kids come through. So basically my plan is, and what I actually did, I handed these out. To, to middle school. <laughs> I was, like, yeah, yeah. So this is what happens. Happen. So, yes. so, so stay that's Marketing at its right, best. Right, right. So say, because that's the prime, because the prime demo of YouTube is like 13 and 19. Like, that's what you want to hit. And how many 13 and 19 year olds do I ever come in contact with? Okay, that'd be a little that's creepy. That'd be yeah, a little that's creepy. true. So I literally, I would give them some candy, right? Like, oh, wait, I got another treat for you. But hey, man, check out my YouTube channel. Check out my YouTube channel. And like, someone would just be like, oh my, someone would be like, oh my God, it's so cool. And a couple of them, like, hey, man, I love YouTubers. I'm going to subscribe to this right now. And the other ones, the other ones even asked for the car. Like, I gave it to a couple, but I didn't give it to him just because I was just, you know, I didn't know who wanted it, who didn't. And he's like, hey, man, can I have your car? Like, I'm really into this type of stuff. So honestly, it was pretty awesome because they, because the funny thing about it, when you're in the situation where you're a trick or treater, you're looking for something for free, right? So when right. I give you candy and then a card, you're like, oh my God, this, this card. And the beauty about it is they already have a bag. So even if they don't look at it then, they're going to look at it when they're going through their candy the next morning. So, so to me, and, or maybe the parents look at it, somebody is going to look at it. So that, that, that I've just kind of tried to broaden my horizons in terms of marketing. Like, like even on the way here, I was trying to think, because you know how YouTube does those billboards? Like with Lily Singh, they, they have these, like, right, these right. billboards. And I, and I know obviously I'm not on that level, but I was hoping... If I could just like build a billboard on top of like my dad's animal hospital and just put the YouTube side up there and then just like because because I'll tell you this about from four thirty to six thirty every day on Melrose they're just bumper to bumper traffic so I've even thought about maybe getting a big poster getting a big board and just standing outside or or even um, near my house on I think it's on Rossmore during rush hour it's just bumper to bumper and I was even thinking about just going out there having a sign and I'm like, Hey, while you're waiting, check out my YouTube channel. Like literally no one moves. Like you don't move at all. So me like right now, I'm just on that full hustle. Like I'm even thinking about canvassing high schools. Like going I'm to still fair- tripping about the <laughs> Halloween. You gave them, they showed up for candy. You gave them candy, a card and a lesson in marketing. Right. Right. And like, and like and some are like, Oh cool. And, like, and, like, and, and another thing, another thing I did too, I would give it to one out of the three friends. So the other friends thought it was kind of a special thing. They're like, Oh, what is it? Hey, I want to see, I want to, Oh, you know, like, so I just kind of like build up the hype and that type of thing. So honestly, right now I'm just full go, like, like whatever I need to do. Cause, cause now it's almost like, I feel like for once I finally have something to show people. And then that's why I wasn't as active on social media is just for me, it's not natural. Like social media has never been a natural thing for me. I remember even when Facebook was first getting started, I had to have friends beg like, come on, man, just get on Facebook. It just, it's, it's just not who I am. Like anyone who knows me, who really knows me knows it's not me. But now I feel so much more comfortable because I have something to show people. Like, hey, check out the YouTube channel. Are you on Snapchat. Vine or Snapchat or anything like um, that? I, I, I am on Vine. I'm not as active. I, I, I try to do it as much as I can. Snapchat, I'm on there as well. Um, I just, it's just, I'm still kind of getting used to it. Um, I, now, Snapchat, the funny thing about Snapchat is you can really put anything on there. Like, people, I'm surprised what people put on Snapchat because some of it's not even worthy of entertainment at all. Now, Vine is a little more tricky. And now, the funny thing about Vine is, um, I probably have a total of maybe, I don't know, 12 posts. Out of all those posts, the one that did the best was a random video of, of uh, this baby Pomeranian at my dad's animal hospital. 
and I happened to release it um, during National Dog Day, and I got over a hundred thousand loops on it. Holy! Right, and all my other ones has no, no more than a hundred. Wow. So 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 that's why it's so funny. Like I'm still trying to I'm still trying to figure out what's going on, and that's why I tell people like like you you might you might make the argument that it's hard to get people to watch something for 15 seconds. But I, I almost feel like that's a wrong thing to focus on. I feel like you should focus on just being consistent with releasing and eventually something's going to click. And being something, smart about yeah, when to release, yeah, yeah, you know, National Dog Day. That's yeah. I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't like I, I think I just randomly was at the animal hospital and someone posted a National like, "Oh, National Dog Day." So I was like, "Oh," and there was like a cute dog there. So I said, "Oh, why not just try it?" And I just put the hashtag National Dog Day. And I just remember I, and I even forgot about it. And I remember a couple weeks went by and out of nowhere, uh, you know, cuz Vinyl send you notifications. It's like, "Oh, yeah, you just had a video that went over 50,000 loops." And I was like, and I, and I thought it was another video that because I was like, oh, it's probably me doing this. I'm like, oh, it was this dog. And it's funny that you talk about like, you know, posting something on a relevant day or something. I think that's why South Park and those kind of shows that just are so consistent. They're talking about, you know, topical oh, subjects. Issues, yeah. yeah. And I think that's actually another secret to putting yourself out there marketing wise. I mean, if you do, I guess, like for Halloween, you did a episode or like, like, yeah, top 11 ghetto Halloween costumes. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that was the other thing, too, is um, I remember initially. My concept and idea for that, we we're gonna have a ghetto Halloween fashion show, like actually do a fashion show. No, that'd have been funny. But the funny thing about YouTube, YouTube has taught me to do more with less and to just be smarter um, and more efficient with planning and time. Because I remember when I brought up that idea, everyone's like, oh, that'll be so funny. But then we started being like, okay, how do we execute that? And then, and then it got really technical. So then my buddy Brian was all like, hey, dude, all you gotta do is just take pictures off of Google, like, Literally, Google search ghetto Halloween costumes. And I remember he, he did it, and we were laughing so hard. And, all you, and Google does the work for you. So you are, they already find the costumes. You don't have to buy anything. It's the cheapest, most simple way to do it. Line them all up and just comment about them. So, so, so that's why, like, that's one thing YouTube has definitely taught me is to kind of think more practically and think more efficient in terms of actual execution. Because these are great ideas, but usually when you have these ideas, you have, like, weeks or months to pull it off. Whereas in the YouTube space, it's like, no, nah, we need to pull this off in a few days. So, like, songs and all that stuff, like, is there some kind of, like, copyright issue or, like, images or anything like that? The great thing is there are certain sites, royalty-free sites, where you can use the music. Now, with Netflix and Chill, we did not use a royalty-free um, song. And the thing about not using royalty-free songs is that you don't get to monetize. So, as soon as they recognize that, you can't make money off that video. You can post it, but you just can't make yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Like, YouTube just will not allow you to make money. Like, any money goes to the original publisher and things like that. So, you know, pros and cons of that is, like, you won't make money off of that, but at least you won't necessarily get in major trouble just because they'll just say you can't monetize that. Okay. That's, I was always wondering that. I'm all like, I mean, oh, man. I, cool. and, and the funny thing is now people come to me asking me about YouTube, but it's like, I'm new, too. Like, I'm just finding out about stuff. Yeah, but you're actually doing it. You're actually doing it. No, that's what's so funny. It's like, 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 like two months ago, I didn't know anything about YouTube. Like, I don't know. I guess. Like, maybe. Now moving on to some questions that I like to ask. Favorite actor slash actress? I know. It, it's so funny. When you're an actor, you always get asked these types of questions. And the funny thing about me is I kind of have a different view on it. I, I like to look at performances. So, for example, me... Um, like No Country for Old Men, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I just love Javier Bardem in that movie because when you watch it, I don't know who else could have played that role. And and he just, it, it's almost like he played it in such an authentic and real manner. And the funny thing about that movie, it was, it was still funny at times too. Like it was funny, but dramatic and serious all at the same time. I just thought it was such a beautiful piece. So I loved his performance in that. Um, and then also Mark Wahlberg, I think his best performance that I've ever seen him do is in Boogie Nights. And, and I love that movie because in that movie, it showed him going from just being this really naive, immature kid to, to going through the porn industry and then just being this big shot, getting addicted to drugs, losing it all, being humbled. So I just think that's one of his best performances of all, of all time. And then also like Ray Liotta and Goodfellas. I just I just think that movie was all, that, that's one of my favorite gangster movies of all time. So you're more into the the performances yeah. of each actor instead of like following one actor yeah. throughout. And, and, and that, that's also why when people ask me um, who my favorite rapper is or musical artist, I, I always am hesitant because just because they're my favorites doesn't mean I like every single one of their songs. Eminem is probably one of my favorite artists out there, but th there are some periods where he has a couple albums where you're kind of like, oh, it was, it was kind of strange. Or even with stand-up comics. There's some stand-up comics who have stronger sets in, in some years and other years. 
Like, like they're not always on fire because it's not always easy to just be on fire and kill it every single time. And I think it also depends too on where you are. I know there's certain movies or, or actors or performances that I I'm like that's a great movie or whatever just based off where I am in my life or a great song even or something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I would say even with music, uh, and then that's why I would have to say Eminem is definitely one of my favorites because. That Marshall Mathers LP album, it, it meant one thing to me as a kid growing up. And I think, if anything, it was just kind of cool because, oh, he was saying all these cuss words and he's being edgy. But then it's almost like when I listen to it now and you hear him going through, the, especially his first album, I think the the the, uh, the Slim Shady the Slim Shady LP that came out before that. But he's talking about all his struggles and the things he's going through and how much he hates life. And not that I was ever that down, but you can kind of relate to what he's going through. And even with the Marshall Mathers LP, I think one of his lines is talking about how you know, a couple weeks ago, like, like, like I had less money than you did and now I have more and now you want to, now you want to get to know me. Now you want to be my friend. So, so just relating to him. And also another artist is G easy. I just really relate. If you really listen to some of his lyrics, some of his songs where he talks about what he's going through and like where he's kind of on the edge of making it, like, like one of his songs called opportunity cost, where he's talking about just being on the road and, and how he had to like miss his mom's surgery. Cause he's, cause he's out doing a show. And then, and then at the very end of the song, um, his mom, leaves this voicemail where she's just like, hey, Gerald, um, you know, I'm so proud of you and you're, you're doing what you always said you wanted. And, like, and honestly, like, I'm getting chills right now because that just resonates to me because I feel like that's exactly where I am right now. Like, I feel like just right now I'm right on the cusp. But I'm just going through it and, and things are building and progressing and, and we're starting to build momentum. And, and I'm not saying I'm going to make it tomorrow. I'm not saying I'm going to make it next week, next year. But I just I really feel things humming for me right now and, and I have no idea the timetable. But I'm I'm just enjoying the like the ride right now. You hustling, man. Shout out to G Easy. G Easy. Gerald, <laughs> what's up, baby? Berkeley. What's your favorite movie? I got a few of them. Uh we got Goodwill Hunting. We got Finding Forrester, Boogie Nice, No Country for Old Men, The Town, Dallas Buyers Club. Man, you got a list. You you the Blow. first person to, <laughs> to come out with a list. You know, oh, this movie. You're like, no, man, hold on. Let I me get the to, list real I had quick. To. It's just that there's just so many movies out there that just true. Like if, if I'm just at home, not doing anything and these movies show up, I will be sitting down and I will, well, not waste, but I, that two hours, I will be there. Yeah, like I, all, I will be, I won't be doing anything else but watching that movie, but it's, it's all research. And also for me, just, I, I've always just, I know there are a lot of actors who love their TV shows. I've just always been a film person. That's just who I am. So there's no TV show right now that you're watching currently. Like I know it sounds like, oh my god, that's so bad. Well, it's even in the past, maybe I don't know, Pokemon or when something. It, like when that. you know, actually, you know what? One show that I really liked in terms of what they did, and I'm so disappointed that I got canceled after one season was Playmakers. That was oh, a drama yeah, on ESPN, that. Um, and it was an NFL. They're following an NFL football team, and the reason it was so good, and the reason it got canceled, is because it was too real. Okay, like the NFL was putting pressure on ESPN and like, yo, you got to drop this show because we don't like how it's reflecting on our players and we don't we don't want our players getting reflected on negative light. But that show, what like, they they tackled um, homosexuality, they they tackled drug use, they tackled child abuse, domestic abuse, they they tackled everything like that. And I, I remember, I think that came out when I was when I was uh, when I was like in high school or middle school. And I remember we were like on the football team at that time. So to us, like, oh, this is so cool. We're playing football. This is a football team. And it just really resonated, and I just related to it. And I just thought it was such a – I just wish they would have brought that back. Or just – I wish HBO would pick it up or something it like that. It makes me wonder because HBO right now has ballers. Yeah. And, and they kind of play it safe, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. It's just – it's not the same. It's just, Like, honestly – because I remember when I first heard about ballers, um, about it was probably like a year ago, and they were talking about how it was going to be like a comedy. And I was like, uh, like – but but I think the reason they're – yeah, is because they want to play it safe. Because HBO has that deal with the NFL in terms of hard knocks, and they probably don't want to – they, they don't it's like they, they kind of yeah. touch on the yeah. concussion thing, and then you have the the Will Smith movie coming out. Yeah. I'm excited to see that, but that's crazy, man. I, I wish, yeah. Now, now I'm hoping that Playmakers gets you know brought back. So, so that, that I think that's what I respected and appreciate about it is just how raw that show was. And to me, I'm all about just things that are raw and authentic and real. Like that, like those are always the things that resonate with me. Because I think something that happens in acting classes is I think sometimes they twist like they twist up actors' minds so much you start acting instead of just being natural and being yourself. The great thing about acting classes, they give you structure, they give you certain principles and fundamentals to follow. But after a while, then you kind of have to go and explore that yourself. And I remember one of our acting coaches even brought that up where Lee Strasberg got interviewed. Um, and they're like, oh my goodness, Lee, you've had all these great actors come through your studio. Like, what's your secret? Like, what do you teach them? He's like, you think I'm responsible for that? Like, I just I just kind of guided them there, but they kind of had to go on that own journey themselves. And, and even for me personally, there are certain movies 
uh, or certain projects, short films, features that I was involved with. And that's where I really learned how to do certain things that you can't really learn in a class. So speaking of exploring and, and kind of journeying and everything, you're always on your grind. What are some favorite things that you like to do on your day off? Like three things. Dude, I'm always so bad with these types of questions. But I would probably say, um, honestly, um, when the weather's right, which is usually all the time in Los Angeles, uh, sunny in LA. So, um, I mean, I, I love going to the beach. Um, I love hanging out with friends. I love dancing. I feel like this is like match.com. No, no, for real, for real. I, <laughs> I know. Walks like, on the beach. I know. And... I, like, I, like, there's really nothing I can tell you that's going to sound that unique, but I really do honestly love just hanging out with friends who've known me for a while. So, you've been doing this for a couple of years, man. You know, if you could go back in time and, and give advice to yourself starting out, if you could go back and, and tell Matt from 2009 or something, you know, what would you say? Yeah, well, obviously, I would have told Matt from uh, then, uh, yo, start your YouTube channel now, bro. <laughs> because uh, if I would have started my YouTube channel then, I'd probably have a lot of subs, a lot of views, probably already making certain moves. I would have said, do the stand up. Don't be so shy and careful about the acting. Like, get the word out there because if people don't know you do it, then how can people help you? Like, I remember I was at a tailgate, a USC tailgate about a month ago. And this girl, the only reason she knew I did stand up was from my YouTube channel because I posted one of my sets. And she was like, hey, um, I knew you did that. And I know Russell, because Russell Simmons is doing like this deaf jam comedy thing where they, they do it. I think so far they've done one show at Man Chinese Theater and they're trying to make it a regular thing. And they have like really big people involved with it. Like Casamigos is sponsoring it. And, and for those who don't know, like that's George Clooney's like the company. tequila company. Yeah, yeah. Because we have a friend from USC who's actually involved with it. His dad's involved with it as well. So that, that's kind of how that was her connection to it. And she was like, hey, if I ever know of any opportunities, um, I'll definitely um, throw your name out there. Um, so so, that, so that, I guess I wish I would have just been more outright with it. But I think also I was just trying to protect uh, myself from the haters and people who kind of looked at me funny when I said that. Whereas now the funny thing is I I, I don't experience that like, at all. Like, like, I, I'm really trying to remember the last time someone really doubted me. But I think it's because they see the product now. They, they see that I'm doing it. So it's kind of like, okay, he's doing it. So how can I really doubt it that much so I, I would say just kind of just kind of going out there and, and not caring so much about what people think because it is tough whenever you're coming from a business nine to five job or yeah. something you went to you went to usc and, and you studied you got your your degree and everything so for for you to say hey, i'm going to quit it all and i'm going to do this i know a lot of friends that are you know it's it's tough because it's they're seen differently like oh you're going to do that like, yeah yeah because because i even know um i mean i grew up with with some child actors actually and they've always been actors and they're still actors and that's what they've always been. So it's not a surprise. Whereas me, everyone always looked at me as a guy who like went to college, went to USC, played football, has a regular job, did internships. So when all of a sudden I started acting, everyone's kind of like, oh, and then, you know, you know, this to be true. Every single time that you say you're an actor, one of the first questions you get is, what have you been in? Oh, yeah. And, I, I, and hate, it, I hated that. Right. Question. Isn't it the worst question ever? Right. Especially when you're first starting out and you really don't have anything to say. Because you shouldn't have to you explain have yourself. To, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And, and that's the hypocritical thing about people and actors is they love and they worship the Leonardo DiCaprio of the world. They love and worship Robert Downey Jr. They love and worship all these big name star actors. But you know, all those big name star actors at one point in time had nothing on their resume. What do you think would be a better question to ask? <laughs> Man. Because I'm kind of wondering that too, you know? It's okay, like you know what? You know, I, I, think, I think a better question would be just like, Oh, like, um, you know, what's your dream project, or what are you, or what are you working on right now? Yeah, like, yeah, like, what do you hope to do, or like, like things, things like that are better because that way, because it's almost like if you don't have a good answer to that, it's almost like you're looking down on the actor. Just and the problem, the problem with being an actor is there is such a low barrier of entry. Like, literally, anyone can wake up one day and say, "I'm an actor. I'm gonna act." You know, like it's not like medical school. It's not like it's not like being a dentist where you actually have to. Like, go through school and, and that's even what Stella Adler said in her book she's like as soon as you say that I'm an actor and you put that foot forward you're an actor yeah. someone asks you don't need that validation from someone yeah. but 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 I just remember like early on um it really is it was challenging for me just with the validation part of it where you're just like oh my god should I be doing this and, and even just I remember in the back of my mind I just kind of look for side jobs like oh like should I just have this or do this or should I get a corporate job just in case it doesn't work out right. whereas just now I'm just like no like this is going to work, like and like like this is like, this is it. Like I'm not worried. Like now I'm not worried about anything just because we got the channel. Like we're moving, we're making moves, and this is it's just gonna happen. Like this, there's no, I, I don't know how it's gonna take, but <laughs> this is this is gonna happen. That's just what it is. Because people always talk about fallback plans and, and whatnot. And you know, our acting coach said that's the worst thing to have because because eventually, and, and even with the YouTube channel, eventually that becomes a full time job too. Yeah. Like because like, li literally every day. Like I'm, I'm getting a text right now from my from my uh, my uh, co-founder, co-producer. He's like, "Hey man, call me. We got to talk about the next thing." Because because literally, that's like especially when you're releasing every week, 
You're like, you're constantly looking at your subscribers. You're constantly looking at your views. You're like, oh, why are my views so low? If my subs are high. Just you're constantly dissecting every little thing. Like when should we release? Um, who should get involved in our next sketch? Who you can collaborate with? And honestly, for me, it just becomes this obsessive thing to the, to the point. This is what I started doing. I started, and if any guys are listening, uh, you know you got this message from me, but I started direct messaging all my Facebook friends, right? I started doing, honestly, I probably got up to 100 a day direct messaging people. Wow. I was I was going so hard on Facebook. <laughs> I was going so hard on Facebook. Facebook sent me a message where they're like, um, Facebook is under the impression you are using this app uh, not the way it should be used. Uh, and then in parentheses, it said slow down. So, and, and I actually, they actually froze my Facebook account from posting links like i was not allowed to post a link for like 24 hours that's crazy so so then from now on now i just send now i send messages like about five every other day well because i also hear people talking about like emails and they they send them out all the time i guess that's why email is probably better than than facebook people don't really do a lot of i guess uh business on facebook but i've gotten e- i've gotten facebook messages about work all the time just because it's easier sometimes yeah you know? no no actually for me I've been amazed at the feedback on Facebook Messenger. Like, like when I was doing 60 to 100 a day, literally my phone was just blowing up every single time. I was like, oh, sure, MJ, I'll support the channel. And another thing, I have the benefit of having a lot of friends who aren't in the industry. So when they just hear that someone has a YouTube channel, it's automatically cool. Whereas, like, you know, when you have a lot of industry friends, they're kind of like, oh, like, oh, do I feel like supporting you? Like, not everyone's always really supportive of each other when you're in the industry as well. It's all jealousy. You know, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, like, so, so, so I have the benefit of having a lot of college friends. To them, like, oh, cool. Like, this is something I have known nothing about and don't do at all. So, of course, I'll support you. And, and the funny thing is, it's amazing you're seeing the support from people I haven't talked to in years. Like, like I had someone who I hadn't talked to in, in a decade come to one of my stand-up shows. I hadn't even, like, that's amazing. And, and another guy I asked him to subscribe to my YouTube channel, haven't seen him in 13 years. And he's like, for sure, dog, I got you. So I'm always amazed at who is down to support. Like, even one of my former football teammates at USC, I remember I posted a stand-up set and he was like, hey, man, let me know when your next set is. I was like, I'll definitely come. And I was like, oh, I'll definitely come. You never know if they're actually going to show up. And, they actually and he's been up. in two of them already. So, so, so that's why, that's why like, I have to reach. That's why I have to ask everybody. Are there any books or websites or anything that you would actually like recommend to people? I know because you, you also, you're a writer as well. So I know you did that, that script and everything. So I, I don't know if there's certain stuff that you would recommend people um, to read. One book for sure. Uh, you remember the title. What was, was it? Save the Cat Save by the Blake Cat. Snyder, right? Mm-hmm. I think that was a great book just because it gives you the fundamentals. And this guy has sold a ton of screenplays. I think he made a really good living doing that. I know he, uh, he passed away couple years ago. Like it's actually, it was kind of crazy because I remember when I was reading the book, I happened to look him up and I, that's when I found out he pa- actually passed away. It was so crazy. But yeah, that's definitely one I would recommend. It probably sounds bad, but I definitely don't read as much. But I believe it's called like a YouTube Bible where they give you like the 101. Is that online? I believe so. I, I think you can download it or something like that. Like, I still need to get around to doing it, but I know that's good. And also this YouTube for dummies. Like they actually have that out as well. And um, Brian's been telling me to buy it. I think it's like $18 for paperback. He was saying that just gives you all the ins and outs all the basics of of how to successfully grow your YouTube channel. So I would say books like that. And also, I know there are people out there who have really uh, inspirational books out there, like Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. That was really amazing. Like that book tells you about success. It just tell you know, the 10,000 hours and things like that. Right, so, right. So that was a really informative book and it just educated you on how success isn't always that random. Another, another thing I would recommend, not necessarily a book, but a motiv- motivational speaker. His name is Eric Thomas. And man, this guy is he like a podcast or online? He's on. You can find him on YouTube. Literally, if you if you YouTube Eric Thomas, he's got all these inspirational uh, quotes, and he has all these speeches that he gives to people. The great thing about him is he was actually homeless. He literally, I, obviously, he had a regular life, but he, he said, you know, when he was homeless, he realized, yo, this is not the best Eric Thomas. Like I can do better. And he has this really inspirational story about it. It took him like twelve years to graduate college because he was literally starting from ground zero. And, uh, and, I, and like before we go, I just want to tell this one story that he tells. He told this story about there was this guru, right? This really successful guru. And um, this this guy came up to him and said, hey, man, I, I want to be really successful, man. Tell me your secrets. I want to be like, I'll do anything. I just want to be really successful. And then and like, I want to make six figures, man. I want to be balling. And he's like, okay, you want to be really successful? Um, meet me at the beach at four o'clock in the morning tomorrow. And he's like, okay, okay. So he meets him at the beach, four o'clock the next morning. It's dark. He shows up in like a dress suit, right? He should have come in swim trunks, things like that, right? Then the guru brings him out to the water, to the edge of the water. And then right now the water's up to his feet or ankles or something like that, right? Then he brings him a little further, brings him a little further, where he's up to his neck. Out of nowhere, the guru takes his head, drowns him, 
in the water. He's just drowning for like five, ten seconds. And all of a sudden, the guy comes up for air. And the guru asks him, when you were down there, what did you want to do? What were you trying to do? He's all like, I wanted to breathe. And then that's when the guru told him, when you want to succeed as badly as you want to breathe, that's when you'll be successful. Ever since I heard that, everything just got put into place. And I was just like, wow. Like, because that's when you have that dedication where like, this is it. Like, I don't care. Like, all I want to do. Because, and, and he has speeches. It's an amazing speech. And all his videos are on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. He has all his videos. Like, so you, guys, you guys should definitely check that out. And it's just like that, that hit home to me. I was like, damn. Like, I, I've never quite heard someone put it into words like that. Like, when you want to succeed as badly as you want to breathe, that's when you'll be successful. So that's it for our show. As always, hit me up on Twitter at Eric V. Lopez. I want to thank our guest, Matt Jordan, for being on the show today. Matt, any last words? Oh, yo, man, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you're ever on YouTube, check us out. Matthew Jordan Presents. We're dropping videos every Tuesday. I'm also on Instagram at double underscore showtime with four E's double underscore. And today we've been talking about courage and stand-up comedy and going out and just starting new things. So I wanted to share with you guys a Bible verse that kind of goes with whatever we've been talking about. Today's Bible verse comes from Psalm 2714. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Thanks again for listening, guys. I want to thank my guest, Matthew Jordan. I want to thank you guys for subscribing. This has been The Retro Word.